Oh, uh, yeah. It's the 525 Records Podcast. Back at it again. Got a banger of an episode for you today. Uh, the amazing Andrew Leach. He's a fabulous musician, an all-around great guy. A great dude to go on the road with, without a doubt. And um, an amazing person all around. And uh, we had a lovely conversation out in uh, Joshua Tree, California, the Yucca Valley, at the fabulous Goat Mountain Recording Studios, owned and operated by Pat Kearns. It's off the grid. It's solar powered. It's tranquil. It's peaceful. There's a barbecue and uh, lots of outdoor seating. So we set up a couple mics outside on the bench, enjoyed the sunset, and had a uh, awesome conversation. We got into the uh, Cedar Creek Fire which just happened if you were in the Eugene area, which he is in the Oak Ridge area. Uh, it was pretty hard to ignore. He kind of <laughs> had to live through the flames, so to speak. He had to evacuate. It's a whole harrowing tale, which we dive into. And then uh, we also talk about the 525 house, which for anybody that doesn't know, in 2017, um, our house in Portland was uh basically demolished we got evicted and uh i made a documentary all about it which you can find on the 525 records youtube channel or of course as always just go to 525 records.com uh click on the news link and uh bam there it is last days of 525 it's a documentary you just click on the photo it'll take you right to the documentary shot on cell phones without the consent or knowledge of those who were filmed. Yeah. A great... Uh, Class standard of food safety. A great little taco truck. The great Heather Hansen. Can you blur my face out? I'm not going to sign yeah. the <laughs> Um I've been shooting a lot of footage, buddy. Really? Yeah, what I got, you got like 15 gigs. So, check it out. It's awesome. And, uh, yeah, also check out all of Andrew's stuff. Uh, he's got a Bandcamp page. We've uh, done a couple of EPs. Well, we did an EP called Zombie of Love, which is fabulous. You can find that on uh, any streaming platform and also on his Bandcamp. And uh, also a live concert from, uh, I think, 2013, if I remember correctly. Andrew Leach, live at the Jade Lounge, also on the YouTube channel. So I hope you enjoy it. Uh we had a fabulous conversation. That's him right here. That's the amazing Andrew Leach. Here, here's how I describe him. Uh, true lyrical poetry and a melodic genius. Uh, yeah. What more can you say? So, check it out. Pop over to his band camp. Check out 525records.com. Uh, if you're in the SoCal area and you want an amazing recording experience you know most studios you you go in there's no windows it's like a sweat box um it's very claustrophobic goat mountain studios is open uh, there's huge picturesque windows that look across the yucca valley and this amazing view uh he's got these amazing room mics they're edwinas and a stereo pair and the room was designed by an architect so it isn't quite perfectly rectangular, right? And what results is the reverb, the natural reverb, has this amazing analog sort of parabolic slope. So instead of just being a... It sort of is... Uh, it just... It trails off. It's... it's uh, 
more of a wave. Also, I just want to say, you know, there's 50 people out there, 50 solid, organic, uh, actual fans of 525. And I treasure each and every one of you guys. Um, you know, most people look at my sub count and they go, Oh, I, I am so proud of it. It's, these are like the 50 coolest fucking people in the world. If you ask me and, uh, you know, I'm not about trying to fucking blow the channel up or, get a bunch of subs or a bunch of views. I just, you know, the whole thing that started 525 was, I thought there was a lot of awesome music that was, ne it was languishing. You know, people would recorded these amazing records and, um, they were just sitting in the basement and oftentimes on a physical medium, like a cassette tape or a CD. And my whole thing was let's bring them into the modern digital age. Let's get them up on streaming. So if you want to listen to alpha noise, you don't have to have a fucking tape player. Right. Um, so that's Andrew Leach. He's the guest today on the podcast. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. It's the 5 to 5 Records Podcast. Here we go. Five Records podcast. That was Andrew Leach on the I can never pronounce it right. The banjo, a banjo lately. It's a banjo, a banjo and a ukulele combined in one, and it sounds amazing. We're here in Joshua Tree, California, on a beautiful sunset. We're sitting outside, a couple of beers, and uh, we're just gonna shoot the shit. And uh, one of the things I want to get into right away is how about that Cedar Creek fire, motherfucker? What a fire! I mean, you lived through it. You're in Oak Ridge, Oregon. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fucked up. Um, a lot of smoke. I mean, just the other day it was, I think, 600 parts per million. Air quality? Air quality, yeah, which is uh, apparently healthy is around 40. Um, I worked at a place for a little bit um, that had no proper air purification. And it got up to, I think, 900 one day. Parts per uh, million. Parts per million, which is uh, unhealthy. Well, it's not unhealthy. It's 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 toxic. Dangerous. Uh, unhealthy is around two hundred. Yeah. Nine hundred is uh, just kill it's yourself. Like you're killing yourself. Yeah. And they had no. <laughs> well, I shouldn't be calling them out. They didn't even have a CO two detector. We're or, not going to name the business. Oh, I'm going to name. Them. No. 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 no, no, no. <laughs> all right. All right. I'm just joking. <laughs> I just I can't believe. So you evacuated. We evacuated, and um, it was really it was it was really sketchy. We had a. Uh, we were house sitting. Uh, me and me and my friend were house sitting with uh, our two dogs and another dog, and um, yeah, and we also grabbed like six chickens <laughs> uh, because that's as much as we could grab. And she lives on a farm, so yeah, we ended up in, in Waldport eventually. But that first night, I slept in the car. I got harassed by uh, a mall security guard because I was sleeping in a car in a mall parking lot and. Um. Yeah. So you, they give you the evacuation order. You pack up your six chickens and you head for the coast. Yeah. And uh, like, how close to you know the danger zone? I mean, were you fleeing flames behind you, or was it pretty orderly? Or I, I mean, I mean, it's not really that 
it's not quite that bad, but like it could, all it takes is a, a wind in the westward direction, an eastward, eastern wind, and uh, everything just go up. And everything the, was dry and ready to go. And I, there was a strange weather shift where the winds were coming out of the east into an offshore flow, which is what fed the fire towards Eugene. Towards Oak Ridge, towards, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so how long did you spend on the coast? I mean... We were there maybe four days. Um, and... I mean, she had a friend, like, we got lucky. We got very lucky. Uh, there were, there was a, a house, a beach house on in Waldport. She was friends with the people, and they were in, I can't remember, like Korea or something. Um, and they said we could go over there and hang out. Um, told us where the key was. Uh, we did lose a chicken. <laughs> How did you lose the chicken? Well, it escaped um, the makeshift pen I made uh, in the sand dunes. But... Um, it was my fault. I caught the chicken and then I lost it again. So, um, but no, it was actually we got very lucky because it was really lovely over there. I mean, we spent all our money, you know, and we had some friends come over, and it was it was a nice break from reality. The first night, the smoke was actually all the way over to Waldport, which is three hours away from Eugene, pretty much or close to it. So the sky a dark orange. An apocalyptic nightmare with the sun just barely peeking through the fumes of smoke. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Is that how you would describe it? I mean, if I was a little more hyperbolic, yeah, without a doubt. Uh, but it, it was really bad. It was it was it was pretty much like uh, just if you've ever been in a really deep fog, like on the coast, it was just like that. But but it, but it poisons you instead of feels crisp and lovely right. like the coast does. So yeah, that's uh, there's a pilot recently the marine layer on the coast it, in california this was in monterey it's about four to five hundred feet above the you know surface of the earth and it's really tricky you, you normally the, so this guy's an instructor he has a discovery flight which is uh they're taking two or three people up for the first time ever they've never flown they just want to see what it's like they lose the engine the oil pressure drops the engine quits and he's forced to make an emergency landing and his two decisions are uh, a really curvy highway with a bunch of trees and power lines or descending through the marine layer with no instruments no power no electricity and making a landing on the beach so he chose to d to go through the marine layer because he's he's uh, an experienced pilot on the west coast he knows the marine layer well and he knows when it's starting to clear and uh, he did it man he he just you know normally when you lose your engine and you have no instruments flying into fog is the last thing you want to do yeah but he made an incredible call they broke through the clouds by 400 feet agl they were right over the ocean they just had to make a little turn they landed on the hard wet sand of the beach the uh, passenger in the backseat took video of it wow and it became one of the greatest aviation stories in ever in the history like, of aviation yeah scully level stuff yeah oh yeah Be yeah for sure yeah it was insane so the coast, you spend uh, a few days at the coast and then they give the all clear and then you go back into Oak Ridge. You don't know, is the business still standing? Is my home alive? I mean, I mean, what was it like? When did you find out when you rolled into town? I mean, well, I mean, once they brought the evacuation down to a level two again, um, some of the people were staying at my house. So I, I live with my mother and uh, some of her, well, my mother's terminally ill. So I, that's why I moved to Oak Ridge. Um, she stayed behind at my brother's house in a, in a clean air area, but her best friend who has moved in with her, um, she went back as soon as she could to take care of her animals. 
and they let me know everything was fine. So it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't that intense. I mean, it, it's intense. This thought of having to leave and this, you know, but like, I yeah, I left. All I did was I grabbed one ukulele, um, and I think like maybe a change of clothes and my insulin so I don't die, and uh, uh, and I realized that like, oh, I could care less about half the shit I have in my life. All uh, I need is one uke. <laughs> well, the thing about a uke is, when what you is it drive about a shotgun? What is it about the uke that inf- fascinates you? And- Oh my goodness! I just remembered a song. Um, um, it's tiny. It can fit in a backpack. Um, the first time I did a bike tour down the Oregon coast, I bought a ukulele, and that's and I've been playing guitar since I was I don't know fourteen, and I'm well above that at this point, and uh, I couldn't take a guitar with me because the one on one has pretty tight shoulders and. Uh, I grabbed a ukulele, and I went with three people I didn't know. Well, hardly knew. I knew one of them okay, but, like, I didn't really know the guy. And uh, that first night around the campfire, after making our legs hurt as bad as we could, um, we just started playing songs. You know, I think it's funny because we were just playing Graham Parsons earlier. It was, I think, Wild Horses was one of the songs we were playing around the campfire. And, like, yeah. and you're like, wow, this little tiny little thing is so compact. And and yeah, I, I honestly, I left early before them. I got off in Coos Bay. So I went from Portland to Coos Bay. They went all the way to San Francisco, but I gave them my ukulele. I was like, you guys need this. But just a male camaraderie was happening. It just happened to be it was all males that I was with. So, But it was like really like, it was different. It wasn't machismo. It wasn't anything. It was all just like, let's sit around and sing together. And, uh, yeah, I really loved it. I loved it. It just goes to show you what's really important when a fire is threatening your very existence and your very homestead. What do you take? You take, in your case, six chickens and one ukulele. Well, I mean, if I could have got another chicken in, I would have left the ukulele. I mean... Really? So, ukulele, well, that's the other thing about it. Everything is replaceable. Um, my first ukulele, I think I paid... Well, the first one I paid 20 bucks for. 20 bucks. You know? And I wrote so much music on that... And then the next one I paid 30 bucks because I was like, you know, big spender at that point. And I, yeah, I moved into a really, I moved into my hometown, back into my hometown for a while. And I was really struggling with a, some severe depression. And I didn't know what to do. So I bought a ukulele and I would just walk around the streets. Um, Mingus Park in Coos Bay. I would walk around that for, I don't know, a hundred times until I had a song written. And that would be my medicine. So that's my healthy medicine. That's what the ukulele's for. I mean, how long did it take you to get good? Were you get out of the jump with your guitar experience? Well, I mean, I had 10 years of guitar. Yeah, but I mean, dude, I I play guitar. When I pick up a uke, it's like a foreign land, and I can't make sense of it at all. Well, it takes a little bit of abstract reasoning, but not, I mean, if you want to just translate it. But honestly, it's just the, it's the high four strings of guitar. And one of them has to, happens to be an octave, resonator string, but... It's, uh, uh, you know, uh, GCEA, right? I mean, no, that's not, I mean, it, it translates to essentially the, yeah, if you play a D chord on a ukulele, like it was a guitar, it's a G chord. So it just, it's just transposed a little bit differently. But it all, I mean, you can play any sort of G 
jazz riff that you know on it. Yeah, you can also get a low string on your, on, uh, so that they actually pretty much mirror. Uh, well, they mirror a tenor guitar is what it's called. Um, and which is, I mean, honestly, I've been trying to play jazz forever, and if I get into jazz stuff, it's way easier to do with four strings because I only have four fingers that can actually touch any of those strings, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's it's not that complicated. And the thing is, it's a meditation. You're walking, you're moving, you're processing life. I mean, you know, in a jam, you can use this as a as a ping pong paddle. It's great. <laughs> I have I've done it before. <laughs> I think one of the best examples of jazz, gypsy jazz ukulele, is what I would call it. Is one of your songs. It's called Nina. Uh, there isn't a there is a video for it up on YouTube. It's just Nina by Andrew Leach on the Five Two Five Records channel. And at this point, I just came back to Portland after a weird thing that happened. And uh, I was in St. John's and I was riding my bike 10 miles to the bar. And I get about four miles in. And this girl looks at me. She's, she's, uh, she's behind me. She sees I have a ukulele in my bag. And she stops me. She says, hey, hey, you going to the bluffs? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Like a like no, I'm not going to the bluffs. I guess yeah. I am now. Yeah, like, and she's like, no, no, you, like I see you have a ukulele. Are you going to go to, uh, uh, well, Sunshine Overlook Park or whatever you want to call it, uh, um, Skidmore Park, you know? Uh, and I was like, I wasn't planning on it, but shit, I'll go. Let's go. Okay, this is this is amazing. Uh, why is this person stopping me? And uh, we rode to the park together. And I was I was instantly kind of in love with her, you know. And uh, we go through this whole process. Like again, I'm like I said, I'm like at this point I'm five miles away from where I'm staying. And um, we sit around, and we play music together. We end up going to uh, she was going on a date that night, and, and so we go to the crowbar and have a few drinks, and then she leaves for a date. And I was like, wow. Um, and then I started writing Nina. Um, was because, that her real name? No, or? it's not her name. It's not Nina. Is about Nina Simone? Yeah. Right. Um, the whole topic of this song is is trying to get close to this person, and then have them come to your room, and then play Nina Simone, because it, it's the most immaculate music to make out to. And I wanted to make out with her so bad, and uh, and the weird thing is. <laughs> 
So this is this is the weirdest part of it. Um, the next time I see her, she's across the street from the place I'm staying, and she's like, "Oh, I live across the street." What a coincidence! Within, like, I mean, come, it was seriously right across the street. It wasn't meant to be. Well, she and I asked her why she even stopped me, and she said the universe told her to. Oh, okay. And then I tried to get her downstairs to listen to Nina some, some Nina Simone tracks, and we did for a little bit, but we didn't, you know, nothing ever happened of it. But like, but that desire, that interest, came it, it, it came to fruition in a song. And honestly, to be completely honest, I ended up. Uh, introducing her to another guy. <laughs> so it didn't really work out, but like it was like, uh, it was just really interesting. It was a lot of serendipity. And then I met Hylas um, right afterwards. Right after I wrote that song, I played him that song in a bar right down the street. And he was like, I play cello. I want to play with you. And then we were hanging out for a long time. He was great. There's a line in that song. It's a Nina Simone line. It's, and God said, run to the devil. And I don't know if that's the actual, that's what I say, but like, uh, it's off of Sinner Man. Right. Yeah. Uh, Sinner Man, where you gonna run to? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, I didn't really know how to outro it. And I felt like there was an intensity to that lyric. And for some reason, that was the Nina Simone song I was thinking of. And I mean, I mean, also, when you think about the religious aspect and where she's at, it's probably meant to be, um, well, you shouldn't have sin, sinned so much. You, now you got to run to the devil to protect yourself. Um, like, it's just like how a lot of us, like, build lies on lies. But at the same time, if you really study the Bible and you're into it, I mean, I'm not religious whatsoever, but it's uh, the devil is... The devil is just as much as of the Trinity as anything else. I mean, there's a there's an importance in knowing that there's two sides to it. And the devil was cast away for loving too much. You can't have one without the other. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to work through some of those songs. Well, speaking of new songs, uh, you've got a nice repertoire of new material, and uh, that's why we're here in the lovely. Landers, California, the Joshua Tree, the Flamingo Heights, yeah. the Yucca Valley. It's uh, There's a lot of different enclaves and different neighborhoods in the Joshua Tree region, but we're here at the fabulous Goat Mountain Recording Studio. Uh, Pat Kearns is the owner, proprietor, uh, chief engineer, producer at large, uh, the man in general. And uh, we just did a full day of tracking. And uh, I'm just wondering how you feel about it. What are your thoughts? I, I, we got a lot done today. We got some great shit in the can. I mean, I, I can't. Oh, wait I think for we've got. Well, we hit, we did six, six and a half songs. I mean, we did a little. Well, which is great for seven hours. You know, uh, it's it's a lot of work. I've never done this before, um, other than on my own. Um, but now here we are in a real deal, actual professional level. Mm -hmm. Very beautiful OTG off the grid recording mm -hmm. studio, completely solar powered. Here we are. It's a lovely evening. I wish we were doing video, but we're not. So you're gonna have to live with a still photo to get a uh, feeling for what it was like. But uh, yeah. no, it's interesting. Uh, I think that we might need to retrack a rhythm track for one of those songs. I think you know which one. Um, but I can do because I can do it better, and I can just play along to it and. 
but other than that, I feel like the vocals were this this uh, this air without the six hundred parts per million. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. I mean, I I mean, I definitely drank at least a gallon of water today, and uh, a gallon of water, a gallon of beer. That's well, yeah, I mean. You gotta you gotta find balance in life. I thought we had a fantastic day. I don't know, you know that Lou Reed song. It's such a perfect day. That's like you know today was like this is how I want to spend my day in a recording studio making records. I I, I just wish I lived this in this space all the time. Oh yeah, I just like if I felt like, you know, if you got the you know you got the, you know the Holy Spirit takes you over. It's time to write a song. It's it's peace and tranquility out here, and you really feel connected to the greater. Also, I think about Oak Ridge, uh, which I love, and uh, but you're a million miles away from uh, well a thousand, but yeah, I think about how it uh, if it all went up in flames after three years afterwards, it would probably look like Joshua Tree, which is a very weird thought because <laughs> time will erase all of this. Yeah. The Sahara Desert was once a rainforest. It was once an ocean. Yeah. Just give it enough time. It's all wiped away. And we're back on the 5 to 5 Records podcast. Keep <laughs> it right here. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Keep it right here. Listen to this. Got a little secret, baby. No one's gonna tell. They're gonna bring it on down to the Grand Hotel. This is an amazing record. It's from a great band. They are called The Smokes. They're from Portland, Oregon. And the record is nine songs, four, five, six. Just type in Smokes, four, five, six, and it pops right up. As you can imagine, there's a couple of bands called The Smokes out there, so it may be a little confusing uh, to find it, but that's the easiest and quickest way and that is on iTunes and Spotify. So if you're on Spotify, same thing. It's super easy. Just type in Smokes456 and it pops right up. This is the album. Nine songs, 456 from the band The Smokes out of Portland, Oregon. Awesome songs like this one. Once you're done, if you still need more smokes, just hit the artist link. That'll pull up the other records. Now, back to the podcast. It's a great time of year yeah. out here in Joshua Tree. Well, it's nice and cool right now. It's not, yeah, it's not Mars. I don't know what Mars temperatures are like. But and if you want a nice getaway and you got a few new songs that you want to record, come to Goat Mountain, you know, talk to Pat. The guy's amazing. and He's uh, done really good. It's a fabulous studio. We couldn't be happier to be here enjoying the stars this is day one of three so yeah who knows we're gonna get out of this but uh i don't understand the universe that well what do you think it is i mean i mean i think that the the highest all of evolution is just trying to create music i mean we can fucking study math until 
bullshit until we have a job studying math. But all that really matters is recognizing that there is a connection between between us and other things. Is there uh, a purpose to this existence, of what we see? It's a, it's a pretty deep conversation. What uh, we perceive as our realm, or is it all just a big atheist, uh, nihilistic, existential, who cares? Well, I mean, I'm in my head, it's a big atheist, uh, nihilistic, existential. But, like, I mean, what do I fucking know? You know, uh, all that really matters is that when you see someone's hurting, you take care of them. When you see somebody you love, you let them know you love them. Um, and pet every fucking dog that won't bite you. And if they bite you, maybe try it a second time, just in case. I'm stupid, but do it. It's worth it. If you find a dog that's if you find a dog that's hurting that bad, he needs an extra set of pets. What yeah. if it's a killer pit bull and it just locks onto your neck, onto your jugular? Then you live a good life and you try to do the right things. I don't know. I mean, it, are do, are dogs capable of empathy? That's all they're capable of, generally. A dog may wish for his master to come home, but can a dog wish for his master to come home next Wednesday? Uh, the, the dog is happy to have anybody around he can love. My dog, when I leave him alone for too long, um, him and the cat start making out. I don't know what they're doing. It's okay, though. You know, they're not going to breed. <laughs> You know, but like, but they hang out, you know? Um, a dog cannot lie. Well, yeah. What do you yeah. think? A dog can, I mean, dogs lie all the time. My The last dog, before he passed, uh, he got into the garbage. He was a really smart dog. Got into the garbage, pulled a bunch of stuff out, recognizes there was a mess, and then grabbed the doormat and pulled it up over the pile of garbage that he made so that when we got home, we didn't see it, you know? And that was uh, some level of dishonesty. That's interesting. Yeah. But, I mean, but they are so empathetic that when you go, what did you do? And you see their face turn and their nose crooks and they're like, I did a bad thing. You but know, are they? Are they? Aren't they just mirroring your body language and personality? Isn't that I mean, what you're doing with me? Right are, now? are they really sincere? Do they really feel like that? How do we really know he covered it up to try to lie to you? How do you know that wasn't just some kind of natural dog behavior? You know, how will we ever know? Is there I mean, a study? How do we know anything? Is there I a mean, peer-reviewed study of dog behavior that we could reference? I mean, there's a bunch of horribly horrible peer-reviewed studies about dog behavior but like uh i mean yes some of it is learned behavior some of it's um some of it's just part of their socialization some of it is yeah a lot of it's learned there's pavlovian level response responses of things the first day i brought that dog home his name is blue mr blue he's named after the song mr blue our guardian star lost all its glow the day that I lost you. Um, Fleetwood's really great song, 1956, 54. I don't, I don't know that song. Oh, it's... I'm Mr. Blue, wow, wow, wow. What do you say? You love me? But either way, it's uh, he's a blue dog, kind of, black and white. Apparently that's blue somehow. Um, 
And that first day he came home and he he was just separated from his mother. And I held him and I held him all night and he held me back the entire time. He hardly even knew me, but he knew I was safe. And we felt that mutual empathy and it created a bond, you know? And um, that's how most things work. Honestly, like uh, we're, we're just molecules trying to create more complex molecules. Every piece of language is just a little fragment of nothing that ends up being a word, a syllable, uh, you know, the arm is just apparently all the breaks in between our words, you know, but like we're just little fragments of nothing. They're trying to make, we're trying to build Legos out of everything. We're trying to build, well, this is a plane. I know it was a car set for Legos, but I turned it into a plane with, with extra wheels. You know what? You created a word, you created a structure, you created a connection and that's how we bond, you know? Um, I think that's what makes the human dog relationship so interesting is that, you know, in my eyes and my perception, we are handcuffed this in our reality by linguistics. We, we can only think and dream as far as the words in our brain will allow us to like when you're dreaming in a free flow, you know, subconscious state, you don't really need words, but in real everyday reality, you know, your, your reality is handcuffed by your ability to decipher linguistics and words you think in words and the amount of words you know is sort of a limit to what you can perceive and what you can realize is true what do you think about that i don't think we need to to know all the words to know things um it is i mean i i i've studied accounting and it and psychology um i have degrees in most of those things um Learning a lexicon for a specific thing gives you a language to talk to specific people. It doesn't mean you're any smarter. It means that you have just learned the pigeon that is that particular field. Um, But if one wishes to comprehend the universe and sort of think about it, you think about it in words, space, stars... Uh, galaxies, black holes, the Milky Way, right? Like there is, you're you're constrained by the language, you know, that you're programmed with, like a computer. I mean, I don't think it's constrained though. I mean, we are constrained mostly by the rules of language. Um, shit, my mom gave me so much garbage. Well, garbage. My mom gave me so much shit for using the word ain't. All throughout my childhood and I'm like why is this even why is this not an allowed word and then you hear other people use it and they just use it I mean you're like okay this is just because you feel like this is a word I'm not supposed to use um, garbage so, in garbage out garbage in garbage out yeah but I mean but honestly I think we just get oh, we get so caught up in like trying to be clear about things that we don't you know shit you know you can talk to a person that doesn't know a word at all and they convey with the wrong words the right sentiment you know and they're wrong to you because you you just assume that they're wrong and yeah they probably are wrong i mean people misuse words all the the malapropism that goes on in this world is ridiculous but how much of the malapropism is just you being the one 
deciphered in such a way that you're not even listening anymore. Misinterpreted. The language of the caveman, right? Two people that speak different languages, they get together. They can't really communicate linguistically, but 90% of communication is nonverbal. So this is the language of the caveman. You can grunt. You can emphasize different emotions and uh, get your bare basic feeling across. Well, I mean, okay. So I don't know if you ever do this, but you just go, hey, good friend, now that we've had way too much alcohol, Let's not use words for the next half hour. And you can, you because it's really impressive how much you can convey to a person that just understands you, that has that the basic level of empathy and understanding of how you are and what your mannerisms mean. Um, much like a dog and a human. That's what a good dog person's like, yeah. That's why you don't, if people don't have dogs, it's sometimes hard to trust them. No offense to you, I know you got cats. I got two cats. Okay, uh, uh, yeah. uh, but like, uh, I was, I, I was deaf until I was five. I had no idea. Some, I, I might've been four, but like, uh, uh, around two or three, I got taken to a psychologist and, uh, they wanted to test me to see, uh, why I wasn't speaking. Cause I wasn't, I was speaking, but like it was muffled and no one can understand me. So. Uh, my brother, who was two years older than me, he, so at this point he was probably he was five, or uh, he was the one that would translate for me. And we went through all these tests. They're like, "Oh, okay." Well, they told my mom afterwards, like, "Well, he, he, she she thought I had a learning disability," and they're like, "Well, no, it's not that. He's just deaf. He needs to go have his ears checked." And um, Soon enough after, I ended up going and getting my uh, uh, eustachian tubes. I got tubes in my ear to help drain all the fluid. So essentially, I could hear, but it was like, it was like a a peanuts adult. Getting out of a pool. Yeah. Well, my my ears were always full of water. Right. And so, I mean, I still remember coming out and going like, oh, I can hear stuff. But, um, it's a brave new world. <laughs> but you know, I spent like I spent I spent seven years in speech therapy after that. But in those first four years before it happened, I feel like it built my empathy really well to not know words, to just see the aggression in people's face faces. They're, they're microaggressions, um, and to this day, I can still read lips. You know, somebody says something about me across the room I'm like is this is this my social anxiety disorder or is that fucking person talking to me and generally they're talking about me uh, generally it's a ladder they're just some fucking person being an asshole I can see them talking about me and then I get you know, whatever sort of arguments because of it but yeah. the FBI has a team of expert lip readers that's how they got the mob you know they'd have long distance zoom lenses fascinating I, uh, I never knew Hey folks, be sure to head over to 525records.com for some amazing artists and amazing albums. We've uh, done a couple of music videos, most recently for the band Less Cash, their song Scenery. Check it out. All the podcast episodes are there. You can find news, updates, any of the old episodes, and uh, a ton of great music uh, and artists that you can listen to for free on 525records.com. Now, back to the podcast. 
Welcome back to the 525 Records Podcast, brought to you by 525records.com. Go and check it out. Fabulous artists, a lot of great music. Uh, my guest today is Andrew Leach. He was the very first artist on 525 Records. He held it down for about a year and a half with the EP Zombie of Love and Live at the Jade Lounge, both available on uh, Bandcamp. And uh, I highly recommend checking out the Nina video that is on YouTube on the uh, 525 Records channel. Speaking of 525, you're a former 525 Records, or I'm sorry, 525 South Lincoln, yeah. a resident of the famous 525 House. I, I was, uh, had a, re- a residency. Yeah, yeah. yeah at the, many winters, which, uh, you know, were brutal. It was an old Victorian house built in 1898. Uh, the heat would just not stay in. It was the coldest motherfucking house you'd ever want to stay in the winter end, but I don't know. Let's uh, reminisce about the five two five house. You, we were talking earlier about the pool games that used to go on, and oh, yeah, you want yeah. to tell the hot sauce story? Uh, I could, yeah. Uh, I mean, who does that? Hylas. Uh, <laughs> who fucking does that? I don't want to say anything bad about Hylas because I love. No, Hylas is great. Hylas, yeah, awesome. but like, uh, uh, so Hylas, uh, he needed a spot to stay, and I eventually kowtowed and talked to Elliot, and that's and, me. Yeah. And uh, we brought him in, and uh, he paid his rent on time and in advance, and never had a problem on that level. And at some point, you guys put a pool table oh, yeah. in the basement. Oh yeah, like how, where did you? And I want to say that? I also paid my rent on time every time, but yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nobody ever gets enough credit. But yeah. where did you get the pool table? I mean, where did you? Oh, uh, John, uh, John next door, who 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 I'm sure is on the podcast at some point, uh, uh, Rasmussen. Alpha, Alpha's brother, the great John Rasmussen. The John, the great, yeah, uh, the great John Rasmussen. He had two pool tables at his house in the basement, and I was like, "Well, I want a pool table." And we we grabbed it and put it together one day, and probably took about a weekend. And then as soon as I set it up, uh, people started coming downstairs. Uh, people that. Well, not that they were invited, but like they weren't, they didn't live there. So we have a bunch of people down there and they started playing poker on it. And then I told them, well, no, I bought a poker table. I'm like, let's just play poker on the poker table. Not on the pool table. Not on the pool table. And so one day they must have, I had a six person poker table, which I thought was sufficient. And uh, they decided they needed eight people and they played on the pool table. Just like Vegas. Yeah. And Hylas uh, 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 got an obsession with with ridiculous internet hot sauce, ghost pepper. Yeah, fucking, yeah. Just like hot sauce. Uh, look how much of a man I am. So I mean, sorry. Yeah. yeah, it's the hot wings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, look at me. Great. I can I can eat anything. And my, I'm not going to tell you about what happens later. But yeah, so he uh, had a two million Scoville hot sauce, and he was eating hot wings while playing cards on the pool table, and then dropped the hot sauce container into the pocket fast forward to you playing pool uh, so then I, I many days later i bring a very lovely lady over to play pool and uh i'm very excited about it and we're playing pool and um before we start playing poker because that was also part of it um and when we moved to the poker table i'm like well, there's something wrong i can't feel my face you and, go into the pocket and grab the ball. I grabbed a ball. The and hot it, sauce it apparently gets on had your sauce hand. on it. Yeah, and then you rub your face. I rubbed my face, and I couldn't feel my face, and everything started going numb. It's just that whole capsaicin. Uh, 
the whole capsaicin thing where they use it on your legs if you have you know which injury. would be probably fine if you were by yourself but and if i knew about it, it and if you <laughs> but now you're on a hot date you got a hot date in the basement it wasn't, it wasn't the hottest day but come on it was it was still a girl i liked um and we we were just in a place of poker that's all but like uh yeah um and i thought i was having a stroke i thought something was seriously wrong and i went upstairs and started washing my face off and then eventually somebody let me know that there was hot sauce all over all over my balls uh and uh and it was just a fucking mishap but yeah but that was that was just something that's the type of thing that would happen a lot over there so how did that turn out? Did you have to run to the bathroom? Or, uh, Once I knew you, what it was, did I just stopped it? touching my face and I tried to beat their ass as a car. And still play cool and, and try to impress the young lady. No, there's nothing wrong with saying you're hurting when you're hurting. Um, like, if your face is on fire, go wash your face off. Well, people will understand. Well, if they're good people. If not, you don't want them in your life. Well, Portland girls are kind of... Let's talk about Portland girls. They're different in that regard, you know. I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if I've ever actually been with a non-Portland girl. <laughs> That's true, because you're born and raised in Oregon. Yeah. Well, yeah, but like, uh, I mean, I have been with girls that are from the country. I remember there with Bron- I was there with Bronson once, and he brought a friend over, and I was just being friendly to her, and I started I started playing music in the kitchen. And I started talking to her about how important it is to just fucking wrestle once in a while. Like, to get that energy out, that weird male energy. Like, it's, it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with it. And she's like, I'll wrestle with you right now. <laughs> I was like... I'll kick you in the fucking <laughs> you know, like, I'll kick you right in the face. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. But I, pl- I was playing songs, you know, so I was just... You know, like, okay, well, why does this work for... Why does this work all the time? But, uh, but that was definitely like you were a fucking straight up boiling girl. I fucking love you. You're fucking cool. Also, I don't know the situation because you came over here with a roommate, and I'm not gonna fucking have to live with that if I cross the lines. But next time you come over and I get the okay, we're wrestling. You know, first person that gets choked out is done. <laughs> Can I, I'll, I'll tell you, the, there's a recent story that happened with John, the great John Rasmussen, uh, a typical Portland girl, right? He's He goes to a lot of bars. He likes to bar hop. So he's at John a, does? No. <laughs> so he's at a bar in Southeast Portland, and uh, he FaceTimes. John is short for John. Is, no, that's a bad joke. <laughs> he FaceTimes me, and we're, we're, we're like having a 525 Records business call, and there's this very attractive, very good-looking woman and she's got one of these like 20 foot long boa constrictors like wrapped around her neck and she's just chilling she's chilling outside of the bar with a drink in her hand with this fucking enormous snake wrapped around her that's portland girls in a nutshell if i had to nail it down what do you remember how much rent you paid at the 525 house uh it was 750 altogether for three people so i paid 250 bucks a month for a four bedroom house two stories well it was 750 for a four bedroom well we only we only had the three bedrooms for three bed three bedrooms in the basement but there's a basement and yeah. there was an extra living room and um it was a total fight club house we had a, a great space elliot that's me yeah elliot had the rules that like that the GM space always had to be a certain way. And we're like, cool, man. It's like one room out of fucking many. 
and it, uh, it, it was, was a great a jam space before I like got in there. It was always a battle. We would play in the basement, and mm. there was like a living room with a couch and a TV. And I was like, the minute I got in there yeah. and like actually had the lease, I'm like, we're getting all the shit out of here. The drums are in the living room, the P- the PA. There's no TVs. It's just a fucking jam space. Well, yeah. Know? I mean, uh, what would you rather have go like? So the basement had a flooding issues and things yes. like that. So just like Fight would, Club. Would you rather lose your TV or your Marshall amp? You know. So don't. No. Why yeah. would you want to play down there? Got to get it upstairs. Oh yeah. But that yeah, was, it was a great house. It was a great, oh, a great house. house. I, mean, that, I mean, it was cold. I didn't mind. I like, I like the cold. And if you want to know more about it, there's a, an amazing documentary. It's called Last Days of 525. Check it out. It's on the YouTube 525 Records channel. It's all cell phone footage filmed without the knowledge or consent of those who were filmed. And uh, the great Mike, we'll leave his last name out of it, but Mike was a guitar player in the band Rasmussen. A very awesome band that practice at the house. Well, where's he at? He's specific. I don't know. He's in L.A., but okay. he's like, you need to blur my face out, and I did. And uh, yeah, but the rest of the documentary is great. It kind of chronicles the last ninety days of the house. The blur whole his face out. Eviction. He's got a nice face. I don't know, but one of my big regrets is that you, I didn't, I wasn't able to get an interview from you or include you in the documentary. Well, I was. I left a little early, and everything fell apart right after I left. Yeah. Yeah. Which I honestly, I went and moved in with that. Uh, I was roommates with uh, that person I was hanging out with that one day. Yeah. But honestly, considering how bad everything went, you know, everything fell apart after that. At least they gave you a little money, like, thanks to the. We were lucky. Yeah. Yeah. We, we knew a lot of people uh, across the street. They did the same thing. You know, they, they didn't get any of that shit. They had 30 day eviction, no money. They mm-hmm. rented the house. It sits empty for a year until they can find somebody to rent it for twice the amount. And then they tore the whole rent. fucking thing down. It's yeah. just done. You know what? Fuck this place. And that was Portland in 2017, in a nutshell. Oh, that was yeah. what was going on everywhere. You know, all these old houses that had landlords that were not charging very much rent. And bands were able to have a space to play you know in a nice house and I remember, uh, yeah i remember uh when i first moved to portland uh i was i think it was in eugene or i mean, i was I've, I've been all over oregon but i moved to portland i think in 2003 and stayed on 20th in alberta right next to the the famous Don Ponchos. Uh, I'm sure it's gone now. But also, you know, the Nest was there and the No. Uh, me and my best friend at that point, we would go to house shows every week. Every week. And they were the best shows I've ever seen in my life. There's just always something popping somewhere. Well, I mean, I, I, had, I haven't went to a house show for 10 years. You know, but back in the day, you know, uh, shit, I, I remember that first house show I went to. I was on 21st in Alberta and went over there and there's this really, really fragile, beautiful, young uh, blonde girl and she's playing a guitar and singing this sad love song and then she just breaks down and starts crying and then runs off. And I was like, that was the best show I've ever seen in my life. There was so much passion in there, I felt everything. I wanted to start crying and run out of the room too. Hey, all you 525 fans out there, I want to tell you about an amazing little documentary I shot back in 2017, all about the last days of the 525 house in Portland, Oregon. We weren't the only ones getting evicted. 
That is a big pile of steaming shit that someone just left on our doorstep today. Just ran out the fucking greasiest fucking bar in Portland for a baby party. I'm gonna rip your balls off so you can have contaminate the rest of the world. I will motivate you, private pile. Please don't throw the bottle. Quick giving me awesome ideas. <laughs> Kyle Gibson? Yeah. yeah. He punched me in the face. Get out of here! Last Days of 525, a documentary available on the 525 Records YouTube channel. And, of course, as always, on 525records.com. Now, back to the podcast. Anyway, welcome <laughs> back to the 525 Records podcast. Brought to you by 525records.com. I guess today, Andrew Leach, the amazing ukulele artist. Gypsy Jazz ukulele. We're cutting all new tracks. Uh, there's going to be a new record. Look for it soon. You can check out his uh, previous releases, Zombie of Love and live at the Jade Lounge on his band camp, Andrew Leach band camp, and also the 525 Records YouTube channel featuring the video for the song Nina, which I'm extremely proud of. I love it. You did a great job, yeah. And, uh, yeah, check it out. All right, I'm going to try playing this really quick. It's uh, This song is called A Thing Called Love, and uh, I'm hoping, I'm planning to record it tomorrow. I don't know. I'm running out of songs. I'm not really running out, but I've got so many songs, but yeah. So it might be a little rough. Right? This thing called love makes a fellow so so, and I'll probably give it up and call you a mole again. But once we're young in bed and snuggling, well, now that that's done. Girl, I've been struggling with this old song This tired lullaby I used to know You used to sing for me when we were close Now when I hear it, it's just like your ghost Singing in my ear, so sing to me I swear my memory's stuck on repeat Which thing called love Had words and a melody once But now that you're gone It alters the song, yes it does This thing called love makes a Fellow so sullen, I'll probably give it up And call you on again, but once we were young In bed and snuggling, but now that we're done Girl, I've been struggling It's the 525 Records Podcast. My guest today, Andrew Leach with a live in-studio performance of a song called A Thing Called Love. An amazing performance. It's been my pleasure having you on the podcast today. Sorry. 
Sorry, I'm just fucking with you. Get your fucking thing down. <laughs> Andrew Leach, thank you for doing the Five to Five Records podcast. I can't wait for the new record to drop. It's going to be amazing. Any uh, parting words? Any last uh, closing thoughts? Um, no, none. No thoughts. The Factory Five Records <laughs> Podcast. My guest today, Andrew Leach. It's been a pleasure talking to you and uh, hearing a live in-studio performance. Keep it locked in for all things 525, 525records.com. You can check out all of Andrew's greatest hits uh, on Bandcamp, YouTube, Zombie of Love EP, Live at the Jade Lounge, the Nina video. Highly recommended. Got to go to YouTube, 525 Records channel to check it out. He's an amazing artist, and uh, I can't wait for the new record to drop. It's been a pleasure talking to you today, Andrew, and uh, thank you for doing the podcast. I appreciate it, man. Thank you, Elliot. Good to, good to talk to you. 525 Records. <laughs> <laughs>